0: Woman Period is a collection of stories and musings from women for women and the men who love them. Together we explore the taboo, the sacred, the ancient, the scientific, all within the realms of sovereign womanhood. I'm your host, Zuri Snow. I'm a mother, a birth witness, and a protector of all things sacred. I serve with devotion to the altar of life, and woman, period, is my prayer. Here, we recognize the wise woman archetype within us all, and we celebrate embodied sovereignty. As you listen, feel free to take into your being whatever serves you and leave behind whatever does not. Thank you for being here, wise woman, I'm so honored to share this space with you. So grab a cup of tea, take a seat in our circle, and together we'll remember what it truly means to be woman. friends welcome to episode two of woman period this is part two of my conversation with samantha on rites of passage so when the conversation starts it will just jump right in mid conversation if you haven't heard episode one definitely check it out all about rites of passage this conversation is going to be all about undisturbed childbirth as a rite of passage why it's so important to protect the sacred of birth, how we can actually protect it, and how that ripples into every area of our life. So we're talking about childbirth as transformation, as initiation into womanhood, into motherhood. We're gonna be talking about how to confront our beliefs around pain, safety, fear, and how to radically choose our intuition And come home to our own inner power. We'll also talk about postpartum as integration and the desperate call for more support. And we're going to be talking about childbirth as a rite of passage for the father also, and how when a father steps into this role of archangel of the birth, It can be a transformational and initiatory experience for him as well and how fathers are really being robbed of that experience in our culture even in the home birth world sometimes so I hope you all enjoy this conversation I certainly enjoyed recording it and any relevant information will always be in the show notes as well as my information and Samantha's information if you want to connect with us deeper. Feel free to reach out and ask any questions, share your thoughts, engage with us. I'm so grateful to all of my listeners here, especially in these early days of this podcast. And with that, let's dive right in let's move into this segment on childbirth so mm. childbirth is a rite of passage and a transformational event for women and it can be for men and we can get into that conversation as well but i'm i, I wonder like how the state of birth is now with so much kind of avoidance and pain medication and even in the home birth setting like avoiding escapism, escapism avoiding the pain avoiding the suffering of birth and like you know the the medicalization of birth and all of that and how mm-hmm. that takes away from birth as a rite of passage mm-hmm. and that how that like shows up in the postpartum how it shows up and how we can show up as a mother mm-hmm. like i believe that each rite of passage prepares us for the next chapter of life mm-hmm. so going through the intensity of birth and experiencing something so intense you know, a lot of women feel like they can't make it through when they're in it, but then they do it anyway, and they yeah. feel so proud of themselves, and you know, they they receive the transformation, mm-hmm. and they have this, this common theme of all rites of passages, I can do hard things, and I'm better for it, mm-hmm. and so like if we can carry that mantra into our motherhood, we learn and embody and encode that mantra in the birth, and then we carry that into especially for first time moms into the experience of motherhood and breastfeeding and lack of sleep and all the other things, you know, it's not going to like take away like how hard that transition is, but it's going to help prepare us for that. Well, it's like the,
1: the, the ideas around expansion, right? Once you see someone else do something, then you have a deeper inherent belief that you can do that thing. Right. And, and then once you experience that thing for yourself and your body, then you have an even deeper knowing that you can, in fact, do that thing again and again and again to to increasingly more difficult degrees, right? Um, yeah, so I completely agree that that's, that, is, um, a, that is what birth is an invitation to do, is to prove to yourself. And again, not prove for the sake of, like, prove it to somebody else. No. But to prove, and by prove I mean, like, Harness that power. Yeah.
0: Um, and it applied to every other area. And applied to life. every other area of your life. Exactly. And future challenges that you move through. Like, I remember, like, in the integration, the days following freebirthing my son, and literally the words came out of my mouth if I can do that, or, you know, I did that, so I can do anything. Literally anything. Like, this power of, like, I fucking birthed a human being. Without any help or intervention from anyone, I can do literally anything, anything. that life throws my way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, like, I walk with that power still today. And I think of it's all It's unshakable. Of, it's unshakable. And I think of, you know, all of the women who, you know, like, were robbed of that experience from the medicalization and hospitalization of birth. Mm-hmm. And now they're robbed of that power and that feeling yeah. of, I can do anything. And... I, I
1: wanted to visit not just birth, but the but the experience of pregnancy as the part of that rite of passage, right? Because it starts from the, the very first moment that you that your pregnancy comes into your awareness. You know, you're like, uh, what path am I going to go down? Am I going to go down the path of of outsourcing safety and repressing pain, and or you know, am I going to? step into this as accept this as an invitation to transform me Mm -hmm. right um and it does start with like the nature of your of your prenatals and the nature of your prenatal care all the way through to the birth itself and your postpartum integration experience
0: yeah and i think the journey of pregnancy through that way through that light is like you said an invitation to really drop into our body and trust our own intuition and be unshakable in our inner knowing Mm -hmm. that we're not outsourcing, you know, for the most part, we're not outsourcing for anyone else to give us permission. We're not giving our power away. We're really claiming it within our own body and our being. And birth can be an initiation, a rite of passage into embodied intuitive womanhood, Mm -hmm. like regardless of what kind of, ancestral ceremonies were lacking in our modern yeah. culture the ceremonies in our body the ritual alive within us through the transformation of pregnancy birth motherhood postpartum
1: yes and if we're constantly numbing throughout that process
0: mm-hmm. avoiding
1: avoiding numbing outsourcing um you know the two words that keep coming to mind for me are pain and safety mm-hmm. right we've we live in a culture where objectively the, the objective of medical care is to make you safe or perceive safety, um, and all that means is avoiding death, right? What is safety, right? right. It's the avoidance of death yeah. <laughs> or harm.
0: Which like if we get into the statistics is an actual joke Yeah, but we won't go yeah. down that but rabbit hole. That's another podcast for another day.
1: But obtaining safety and avoiding pain, right? Is like uh, the b- objective of this. But what is the critical components of an, a transformational rite of passage? Pain and un- and being unsafe, right? Mm-hmm. Like relatively unsafe right right? like relative compared to our modern yeah when you put a man out into the wilderness for example with no resources and you send him out there with nothing but a sphere a spear and you say go kill a bear and come back and bring us its heart i'm not safe i'm not i'm not and i'm definitely feeling all of this pain and fear right Mm -hmm. and i have to confront it head on mm-hmm. but I can't avoid it I can't avoid it but in the modern paradigm of birth especially where the idea is all right come in for your scheduled induction and get your epidural and get your pitocin and if you have any problems your doctor will fix it for you and mm-hmm. no, you don't need to worry about anything it's just let everybody else handle it mm-hmm. where, where's the opportunity right to to grow And unfortunately, what I see from my own experiences in attending birth and from the countless birth stories that I've been, been, that have been shared with me, um, unfortunately, that happens now after the traumatic birth experience because you have this traumatic birth experience and then you're like, oh, now I have to, now I have to do this initiation Mm -hmm. by reckoning With that trauma. So the the invitation, you're going to experience the transformation. Regardless. The invitation is you can do it this way or you can do it the hard way. Like the hard, what I, what to me feels to be the hard way. Some women might, that might be the, the choice that feels better to them. But for me, if I have the choice between learning this transform accepting this invitation for transformation of my own free will
0: or having it forced upon me of my own free will sounds more appealing to me personally yeah because trauma is transformative and trauma is an initiation but yeah just that's that's such a key component is you're gonna go through the transformation and initiation regardless The question is, do you want to show up for it embodied in your Mm -hmm. intuition and in your power, you know, and making decisions from that place? Or do you want the initiation and transformation forced upon you through trauma and heartbreak and, and, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual trauma? Yeah. And unfortunately, what I see there,
1: I often see this divergence of Women who have had traumatic birth experiences, they can usually go one of two ways. From what from what I've been been a witness to, and one option is to take this birth trauma, this traumatic birth experience, to say, "I'm going to transmute this into the reason I am going to go out into the world now and empower myself with body literacy and knowledge about birth and community of women mm-hmm. of like minded women who are healing and um, who see birth in this ritual ritualistic way, um, that, that's option one, right? Which creates things like free birth movements and autonomous birth movements and home birth movements that we see coming, coming um, up in, in culture in our society now. Um, so those are the women who choose that path. Like I would even go as far as saying, like I think 90% of the women in those communities that I'm a part of are there because they had a traumatic birth experience for the, with their first birth. Right. So that's that's one sphere of one choice after a traumatic birth experience that you can go down that path. And then unfortunately what I see as like the majority choose this alternative path of like digging deeper into the medical paradigm and of blaming their provider or blaming themselves or outsourcing this blame to someone else instead of saying, Wait, how am I responsible for this experience? What parts of this experience do I need to own um, and and like accept as my, my this was that I chose this mm-hmm. right I mm-hmm. chose this um, and and I want to kind of say too like I, this can sound really triggering to say that you chose that trauma yeah. but I per- personally I I know that for my traumas my near death experience is the easiest one to like refer back to I I chose it. That might sound crazy to some people. Like, no, you didn't choose to almost die. And it's like, but I did. If I sit and I'm really honest with myself and I yeah. hold myself accountable to the where I was in my life and the choices that I was making in my life at that time and how I was outsourcing my decisions and how I was outsourcing my sovereignty um, and giving it away, I absolutely chose that to happen. And yeah. I chose the subsequent events that came after. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of my observation, too, about, like, how we can... It's a choice, even still, if we want to transmute that trauma.
0: Yeah, that's a really big piece. Like, choosing to show up for initiation, choosing to show up for transformation, Mm -hmm. is choosing to not be the victim of Mm -hmm. your circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's a really big one. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And we live in a culture that loves victimization.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We love to make everyone a victim. I mean, if you think about cancel culture, if you think about all of this virtue signaling that we have yeah. in, our, in our culture, everything is about victimizing someone.
0: All a product of the lack of right of passage. Yeah. The, ra- the lack of intentional initiation.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, know? you can think about any major movement and it's all about victimizing someone, right? Like, it, 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 it's, I mean, we can talk about feminism, We're making women victims of the patriarchy Mm -hmm. to have feminism be a thing. Mm -hmm. What if we all just said, nah, I'm not a victim? (laughs) Right,
0: and expecting, expecting, like, you know, the very. The world to fix it. (laughs) Yeah, expecting the world, expecting the very men that we're quote unquote victim to to save us. Yeah. Rather than just saying, we need our allies, we need the men to come and. We need the
1: patriarchy to change, we need to dismantle capitalism. Yeah. Maybe we need, we
0: need laws to yeah, protect protect us. us. We need white men to protect us. Yeah. Like no, like a true feminist, like I'm not the victim to anyone, and I'm gonna claim my power, and I don't need anyone else yeah, to I'm give me good. permission to stand <laughs>
1: I'm in my so power. Good. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's a whole side tangent. Yeah, but we could have a whole
1: episode on that I'm too. Sure <laughs> we,
0: I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. So okay, so we talked about initiation, rite of passage through the lens of birth. And, and the preparation for that through the lens of pregnancy. So let's talk about the integration piece. Mm, because mm-hmm. I think in our society you know like we like you touched on before with the plant medicine piece like you have the preparation you have the ceremony and then you have the integration and it's the same with any initiation or rite of passage whether it's taking your son camping in the woods and then showing up for the integration of how is he applying his manhood Mm -hmm. into his daily life Mm -hmm. so when it comes to like let's look at the postpartum through the lens of initiation and how we have this society where you know let's talk about the medical model of birth first and then we can apply that to even like some of the holes and missing links in in the home mm. birth physiological birth world but for the for the medical model we have um, you know women coming home with c-section scars or birth trauma and they're just like you know they have maybe six weeks off of work if they're lucky and um, they're just thrown into it with no support system, no cool. integration, no one to tell their birth story to. Or if they do try to tell their birth story, they hear, "At least you have a healthy, healthy baby, baby healthy mom. All that all that matters <laughs> is you're you're you know you're both alive and well." Yeah. And just this this major bypassing and lack of support and lack of holding for the transformation through that trauma, and then they have to find it themselves. But then when we look even at you know the home birth world most midwives most doulas focus on the birth as the main event Mm -hmm. and then a lot of women are left feeling so overwhelmed and so blindsided by the integration process and and by the like integrating motherhood as a Mm -hmm. new identity and new Mm -hmm. experience
1: yeah I mean I want to even back up a second to the immediate postpartum, the very moments after your baby is born, what's happening, right? If you're working in a hospital setting or with a medical midwife, what's happening is they're taking your baby from you, you're doing all kinds of stuff. You're kind of, everyone's forgotten you're even in the room and you're mm-hmm. sitting there like either bleeding or doing whatever you're doing or like just kind of in the aftershock of this mm-hmm. um, intense experience. And now everybody's over here in this corner with this baby and you're like wait guys like <laughs> what about me and then eventually you know they do bring your baby back to you and there's the those moments of meeting your baby and that's all beautiful but then within you know for most births with within a couple of hours they're like all right see ya mm-hmm Get your car seat and get the heck out of our hospital room. <laughs> right, time
0: to turn over the tables. Yeah,
1: or or you know, if with your midwife, depending on your midwife, right? This there's a lot of variation with home birth midwives. There's so many degrees of this, but it could be just like, all right, see ya in two weeks for your postpartum. I'm gonna yeah make sure you're not having any well, issues.
0: But and even most midwives, like what I see at least for like most midwife CPM type of people, like. They'll stay for a few hours after the birth, make sure everyone's good. They'll come back maybe in a day or two to do a quick check, and then they'll come back uh like like you said, like a few weeks later, maybe even the six week mark yep. to do like their last thing. And that's it. it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And the, and there was no discussion more often than not, there was no discussion during pregnancy at your prenatal visits very rarely would it be the conversation of okay what's your postpartum plan let's sit down and talk about what right. things you're going to need what resources what what's your family unit look like what support structures do you have yeah. do you have meal like meal prep do you have this done that I, I i make sure that i have a whole session specifically to talk about that with my with my mamas um and their families um is like okay let's talk about postpartum yeah. what do you have going on what, who's going to be showing up for you? What's that timeline look like? Right. What do you, what resources do you have available? And I think that if we, I don't think, I, I don't think my perception is that it's kind of an afterthought mm-hmm. for most women. And because especially first time moms just don't understand because culturally we haven't made it something that should be understood. Right. Um how big that really is and so of course we see these record numbers of women with postpartum mood disorders and women feeling abandoned and women Mm -hmm. really really having a
0: lot of pain and struggle Mm -hmm. during what is meant to be this
1: beautiful integration period but we stripped that from them
0: yeah and I want to go back to this piece of victimhood because Mm -hmm. women don't need someone to save them from the challenges of postpartum what women need is nurturing and witnessing mm-hmm. through that period. It's not going to, you know, it's it's still going to be painful and hard. And, you know, going from, like, sleeping s- so good to all of a sudden waking up every three hours with a newborn and having your nipples hurting or, you know, all the other things that can be a part of the postpartum experience and, like, feeling alone in it all. Like, women need to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. They need food. They need safe company mm-hmm. you know they need to stay in bed yeah and, <laughs> and it's not the like, mother-in-law who's going to come over and grab your baby from you and then take off like that's that's not what we're talking about <laughs> right it's a it's a cultural shift yeah. to honor that time and then they need witnessing they need yeah. someone to come hear their birth story and ask what transformation did you receive from that and just well, that's the just invitation listen and, and holding space yeah that's the invitation for the integration
1: yeah the reflection right right if, like if we go back to our medicine ceremony analogy right like every, you know the best ceremonies and the best practitioners i've ever worked with the objective is all right now you go into your sacred silence And you reflect and you journal and you meditate on this and you you kind of what were the things that were the biggest things that came through. And then for the next weeks, months, years, however long it takes you to fully integrate these, these, these messages or this information, uh, you're putting into practice what you've learned,
0: Yeah, you know? And I think, like, we are such inherently social beings, too. I think, like, a journal can only take us so far. Like hundred percent. Journaling is so powerful, but to be able to, like, talk it out and receive, like, not even reflections of, like, you know, other people telling you what to do, but just, like, reflections of, like, people asking questions for you to go deeper and reflecting Mm -hmm. back to you what Mm -hmm. they're hearing you say and... You know, like this is this, this can be so powerful just to have a safe person to that's that's willing to just sit and listen. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: that's a good point. I think a lot of times when I hear women out in the world, out in the wild, I'll call it, sharing their birth stories and the responses that other women or people in general have to their birth stories, it's usually this like intellectualized conversation of them saying, Well, you know, that sounds like it was really medically necessary. And let me give you these statistics and let me tell Mm you, tell you about. Like this person that I know who had this thing happen. Such and
0: a linear, it's way like, to whoa, have whoa, whoa.
1: She's not being witnessed, right? right? She's not. Now Now it's becoming this like intellectual, like debate. Sometimes it almost feels like, well, you mm-hmm. must have really needed that epidural. Like this happened and that happened. And mm-hmm. your doctor saved your life. So you should just be
0: happy. And Instead of, well, how does that make you feel? feel mm-hmm. Like, let's dive deeper. Like, what did you receive from that? What what are what occurs to you as you think back to that experience? How are you feeling in your body? What do you need right now? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. these are the kind of questions mm-hmm. we need to be asking women, not pathologizing their experience or not telling them what their experience was to them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I just wanted to enter that caveat into the conversation. Yeah, I think it's important.
1: A lot of people think that showing up for newly postpartum moms in that way means a dialogue and it's not meant to be a dialogue it's meant to be a witnessing
0: and we can bring that into other rites of passage too like okay our son got back from his pilgrimage you know let's let's ask him questions and learn like what wisdom did he gain from that experience and you know what is he what does he have to teach us now Uh, you know yes yes well yeah it's just like when we were talking about the men right?
1: you go in you're deeply reflective and introspective. And then you bring that beautiful wisdom and creativity back into the tribe. Right. Um, which can be transformational now for the entire collective. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for, for pointing that out, too. Yeah. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, totally. Mm. So let's talk. Can we talk about the dads now? Yeah. So. I love.
1: So you were the first person who I've ever in All my birth work experience I've ever heard bring this into the conversation, so I am so excited to hear from you on this.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this piece of undisturbed birth can be rite of passage for the father, the birth partner as well. So when we're talking about undisturbed physiological birth, the dad has an invitation to step in and be the archangel for the mom and baby. Mm. He has the opportunity to stand at the gates, to stand at the edge of the altered state. He's waiting in between being in the altered state with the mom and being the protector and the guardian of the gates of that altered state. He has the opportunity to be the first witness, the first person to touch or hold his child, you know? And he has the opportunity to to go into the transformation with the the woman he loves and to receive initiation through that experience, mm. receive initiation into what does it really feel like in his body to be a protector, to be a provider, to witness his woman in all of her power, to to love his baby for the first time in an embodied physical realm. You know, like and I think I think men are robbed of that experience and i know we talked about like in a traditional ancestral kind of way men often weren't in the birth room it was women and grannies and and sisters and it was a woman's thing and the men you know were mm-hmm. off but they were often in their initiation and their yep. rites of passage with men so yep. if we don't have those types of um initiation into manhood rites of passage ceremonies now we can invite our men in to be a part, to receive rite of passage of birth into fatherhood. Like, like, you know, like if he's, if he is ready to step in to the container, to be a part of it, to be a leading role in the experience, then he is also transforming and dying and being reborn into a father. Mm -hmm. And then receiving also, we can bring in that integration piece postpartum as well. And like, And, and, and yeah, like helping him with that transformation into fatherhood and him receiving that support system as well, because I think right now, you know, men are fathers often, especially in the postpartum with a, with a woman who's on, you know, in bed resting with baby men often are expected to take on the role of an entire village yeah. to be that postpartum support. And they're not receiving any type of emotional, spiritual support for that. Or guidance. Or guidance. They're just expected to step into Okay, that you're and- just supposed
1: to know this now. <laughs> they're expected
0: to step into this impossible role, and then they're like chast- chastised if they can't do it, mm-hmm. if they can't step up to it. And mm-hmm. I think we need to be having a lot more grace with our men. For, like, the lack of emotional support, the lack of rites of passage and initi- initiation, the lack of, you know, emotional intelligence that we're teaching our boys and men. And then we just expect them to, like, step up to this role. And then we, like, punish them and hate them if they can't do it. Yeah. It's absurd. No. You, you, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head with, with all of that. I think
1: you said that so beautifully. And I really love that reflection. Um... Yeah, because like like I was sharing with you before, like uh, like many of my mentors have had the perspective that men should not be in the birth space, and I did to a degree. I do carry that belief myself, Um, but having this lens of like what you've just shared really helps me to kind of um, open my mind a little bit to what that could look like because. The women that I'm learning from are talking about how birth was um, held sacred in antiquity, right, In, in in tribal cultures, but in those cultures, paternity wasn't a topic right we didn't have these singular family nuclear family units like we have now mm-hmm. and and we didn't have paternity as far as like that's my child and that's his child mm-hmm. it was the tribes children mm-hmm. right so all of the men were the fathers regardless of if they biologically fathered the and, children And their
0: role of father too, like if we're talking about that type of cultural ancestral lens the role of father, like, what even was that? Like, they, they gave their seed, they gave their sperm, and then they were off, like, hunting, hunting and provided. providing. They weren't even around. No. And then maybe, like, they come back into the life of only the sons the and the boys. boys when it's mm-hmm. time for their rite of passage right. to manhood. Exactly. And then they become father. Exactly. So it's not even really like. It's not the way we look at it. It's now. not culturally appla- uh, applicable, applicable yeah. you know? So we need to look at it through our cultural lens. And invite men to be a part of the rite of passage, the men who are ready. Yes, and help them and help them get ready. Yes, give them the tools to during the pregnancy to step up to that. Like invite them to do the inner work, you know. And it's not our job. It's definitely not our job to like save them or teach Mm -mm, them. But we, but we can like help them with the inspiration and the resources. And and see if they're ready to step up and step into that. Yeah, I have a there. There's what's coming up for me in that is there's so many more
1: questions that come up for me like than answers really. Like I, I'm just feeling really curious around it because for me it's like okay. Um, there's
0: so it feels to me like there's so many things working against us in that way. What my experience has been, obviously with my amazing archangel partner, but also with like, friends and, like, close friends of mine who have, who have children and have families and the way that their partners and men show up for that and being able to witness that and see what's possible. But I also think, like, we have to give credit to, like, let's think about how many women in our culture are, are so removed from their intuition and oh, from yeah. their cycles. Oh, yeah. And so we have to give men the same... Oh, I definitely do. You know? I I know where it comes from. They can I just don't
1: know what to do about it. You know? It's like,
0: yeah. And I think as women, it's not our job, again, it's not our job to fix men or to show them the way. Like, men have to figure that out for themselves. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is create an inviting and curious and loving and playful container where they can come ask questions and learn. Like, I think in the birth space so much, I've witnessed so much where... Like birth workers and women's and mothers, they like brush the men aside. Yeah, like for it's sure. not a for welcoming sure. space for them to even come into. So if we create a really welcoming container for the men to be like, "Ooh, that looks cozy over there. Ooh, yeah. I actually feel welcome in that space." Yeah. Because how many birth spaces? How many midwives are actually creating a space that feels welcoming for men? No,
1: not many. That's true. And and and, and it's because we're carrying these beliefs about birth is a women's only space but we're not thinking about this component that you're talking that you're inviting us to maybe mm-hmm. um, it, bring into this new paradigm of birth which could be and I think it's such a beautiful like dream to hold because mm-hmm. how cool would that be right if, if our men were um, showing up to our births in that way
0: yeah. Um, I think also one thing I want to add really quick is like this piece of like men not not knowing how to hold women's emotions and how to hold the intensity of womanhood like uh-huh. being a cyclical being in a woman's body it's intense and it's a roller coaster and most men don't know how to hold it yeah men who show up and hold birth and hold the transformation and the intensity of birth they can much more gracefully hold Woman, 100, in and her, in her all because it's the
1: same thing. Exactly. It is woman. It's the ultimate physical expression of woman, right? Yeah. It's this intense,
0: and it's kind of most, all over the
1: place. Like. The
0: most, yeah, the most intense manifestation of woman. Mm-hmm. So if a man can hold a woman through her labor and through her birth and show up for that, then he can hold her through her PMS. He and can postpartum hold her and me, and yeah, through all of menopause it. Yeah, and exactly. yeah, and and and. Life.
1: Like, and, culture, and, if and life.
0: And if we, as a culture and as women and as midwives, are creating a container of, oh, like, men don't know how to show up in the birth space. It's just get out of our way. It's better if you just stay yeah. in the corner. Then how... And, but but then we're also holding the standard of, oh, men need to show up for their women better and, whole, and like, understand their emotions better. It's hypocritical. It is. Yeah. It is. It's hypocrisy.
1: No, I agree. I agree with you fully. In that statement, and I and I think that conversations like this is what's going to start like scratching the surface of what's possible, right? If we just start wondering out loud, yeah, like what it would look like to start inviting men into this and inviting them into it, like you said, if they're willing to do the work, like we don't want to force from a man, the beginning of the pregnancy. Yeah,
0: if we force a man who's like not with it. It's going to negatively impact the birth. It's It's not about forcing men to show up in this role. It's about creating a really inviting, comfortable, cozy container and inviting the man to step into this sacred role of archangel. And
1: I would even argue, because this is something that I said I was going to keep saying, is like body literacy. Yeah. If we taught men body literacy, not only of their own bodies, but of the female body. Mm Mm-hmm. Then even before they have the opportunity to conceive a child with someone and experience pregnancy and birth with a woman, they're already getting an initiation mm-hmm. into this this paradigm, yeah. right? Of like what it means to hold space for a woman and how a woman's body is changing and yeah, um, what what how women are different from men and if we can honor those differences as as sacred differences instead of like trying to make women fit into the men's boxes and men fit into women's boxes like I don't want a man to show up for a birth as my midwife I want a man to show up for my birth as
0: the archangel yes right exactly. like so that's a different thing it's a different right? role. we're not inviting you as our doula and nobody can yeah. <laughs> replace that role a doula a midwife nobody can replace that role of archangel so right. it's this really beautiful opportunity that men have to claim their role in yeah. the birth
1: it's a specific role and it's and 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 it has a specific context and specific like ch- charge to it, mm-hmm. um, and it can s- start being embodied well before conception
0: even. Oh yeah, and yeah. I think that's like okay little side tangent that's somewhat related is like backing it up to rights of the rite of passage of marriage and how we've removed like the intention and sacredness around that as a society and like you know like. What if couples had to go through this initiatory process to make sure that they could hold each other yeah. through life before they make the Ugh. decision to get married. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: I was actually thinking about marriage when you were talk when you were talking just before. I was like, Marriage, it's it's marriage. But, you know, there's so many marriage has been so stretched and pulled out of like what it is or what it could be or what I believe it should be. Um, and it's been transmuted into this like mm <laughs> It's a wedding, you know. No, it's not a party like where all your friends come and get drunk, like, and you wear a dress. And (laughs) And that could be a part of it. And sure, I mean, that's the ceremony, right? (laughs) Right. Sure, there is a or that's the celebration. Yeah. For any rite of passage, there's a ceremonial celebration. But we talk about this piece again
0: of the preparation and integration. Mm -hmm. Like, what preparation are we doing for marriage besides planning a party? Yeah. Right. Like, are we doing the soul work to connect with each other and ask each other difficult questions and sit in ceremony together? in our own way or are we just planning a party Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. what are we really doing to prepare for the initiation of marriage and then what are we doing to integrate it and apply our vows into our daily life Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and then how does that show up in our birth how does that show up in our menopause how does that show up in the way we support each other as a a married couple
1: gosh I feel like we could do a whole episode on this topic too about like um, conscious coupling and relation totally and and how even how we choose a partner, right? Like we want to, we wanted to get into that oh, about like <laughs> how women choose partners. It's like, are you choosing the man who wants to go through these, like these ritualistic rite of passages with you and hold these rites of passage and hold these sp- spaces with you and like truly yeah. hold the container of well, your are feminine? are you choosing
0: someone who's reflecting your power back to mm-hmm. you? Or mm-hmm. are you choosing someone because you are outsourcing
1: yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole topic of yeah, itself, it but goes so d-
0: like conscious coupling and relation, um, I would love to, do you have any other final thoughts? I, I want to close with a, with a quote about God, rites of passage and birth, but do you have anything else you want to add before? No, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was so good. Okay. So, um, all right. This is a quote I wrote and it really resonates with me. Birth as a rite of passage. Undisturbed childbirth is transformational. Women split wide open and travel to the edge of the universe to birth their child into the world. As she does so, she sheds past versions and births herself anew. She gathers up all her strength and power. She knows in her body that she can do hard things, and she is reborn a mother When a man steps into the role of archangel of the birth, he learns in his whole body what it means to be protector and provider. He travels into the altered state with the woman that he loves. He walks the edge and guards the gate. He knows in his body that he can do hard things. He can hold the space and he is transformed and reborn as father. Mm.